It's Friday the 18th of December. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. You can see us on Sky News Weekend Edition Saturdays and Sundays. And I'm joined by my co-host with the most, Shane Lee. How are you, buddy? Great, Timmy. Afternoon. Another week comes to an end, but uh, yeah, lots happening this week. We've had the cricket... Uh Confirmation now that tennis is starting February 8 in Australia. So, look, mm. it's going to be a big weekend of sport, mate. Yeah, we're going to have a quick squeeze at what happened on day one because it was a dramatic day in Adelaide at the Test Match. Jaslyn Hewitt will break down all that tennis news. We'll get the latest on Bernard Tomic. Uh, goodness gracious me, his has been a story and a half through the course of time. And Johnny Stephenson, a couple of days on, how did the boxing go through his eyes? This is Afternoon Sport. Let's get ripping. <laughs> What a day it was, day one of the first test match, Australia-India at the beautiful Adelaide Oval. It seemed like the world was normal again and uh, Mitchell Stark took a wicket chain on the second ball of the test. Mate, he did, and not an ideal preparation for Mitchell, uh, you know, being out with a family illness. But, yes, yeah, second ball to get a wicket. The boys were pumped. They, they, they swarmed around him, but the ball didn't really swing after that, so it was, it was changing fortunes post that wicket. Yeah, they settled, didn't they, India? Kohli and, of course, Rahani. But uh, what about the uh, the one short call from uh, umpire Bruce Oxenford? Of course, we have Australian umpires, which rarely happens uh, on our soil. But because of COVID, we're not having any international umpires at the moment. They weren't happy about that one short call. No, they never are, mate. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot, lot of expectation on the umpires these days. I'm not quite sure what the umpires actually do. You can't even hold the hat anymore. Maybe we just put a hat stand down the end of every uh, – <laughs> at the end of the wicket. Yeah, and often we've got to go upstairs. And then uh, then Coley got run out. Yeah, uh, thank goodness he was really settling in. Uh, when he got to 50 off about 130 balls, I thought, if we don't get him here early, he's going to go down for a really big score. So, yeah, that, that was a really cru- crucial time in the game, but uh, we've still got a lot, of, a lot of hard work to do from here on. Six for 233. What, what do you make of that? Um, that uh, is sort of parish score just under? Yeah, the game's in the balance right now. Uh, an early wicket uh, today uh, when we start will be key. But, um, yeah, if we knock India over close to, say, 300 or just under, it'd be a great result for Australia. But then our batsmen are going to go out and bat and score some runs. And as we know, Timmy, we've had, we're not quite sure if our top order is going to do the business. Yeah, well, we've got, we've got Joe Burns, who's horridly out of form. We've got Matty Wade. He, he, look, he, to his credit, he is a bit of an all all-purpose kind of player, isn't he? Like, he's, he, he wicket-keeps, he's even bowled in test cricket, so he is that kind of utility that is just as likely to, to get some runs. Look, he may as well play in the Australian Open in tennis as well. Let's give him a go with that. But, uh, look, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, a bit, a bit of pressure on Burns. But the, the key's going to be we need some early early wickets, uh, try and knock India out for around 300 or just under, put him under pressure and get off to a good start. And hopefully uh, the openers will give protection to both Smith and Lovershane. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch, but they've got to get the Indians out first. So That's it. that'll make it a very interesting second day. Now, look, all the Afternoon Sport Production editorial team is concerned with yourself. We're, we're wondering, are you in isolation? Is is where you are perched up um, on the northern part of Sydney? Is that part of a hotspot? How are you placed? Look, I don't really leave the northern beaches anyway, mate, so I'm pretty happy here. <laughs> we're not letting anyone in. No, there's some concern there, definitely. But uh, we'll wait and see how it pans out of the next few days. You're not quite on that 
perimeter though, are you? Not not quite that far up north. Oh yeah, well Clontarf, that's the that's the first beach of the northern beaches. So yeah, I'm not deep into the uh, the heartland of the northern beaches, but yeah, on the perimeter. Oh well, fingers crossed. You uh, on a serious note, you do get to Mount Warrigal for Christmas, and uh, that uh, Thanks, that is isolated uh, fairly quickly. All right, mate, let's get into it because we've got plenty to talk about. There's a couple of days gone down the road on this boxing story, and there's plenty of tennis news. Also, a lot of people are blowing up about the Russian drug ban being halved. This is Afternoon Sport. Alright, it's always an absolute delight. We do it twice a week. They are shining moments in my life. John Stephenson, how are you, my dear old thing? Yes, they are. Tim, Shane, great to hear you guys. Voices, man, how good was the boxing? I love boxing. It's such a good sport. Mate, your predictions were on the money, mate. Did you see that, Shane? Yes. Well, look, I, I did get the Luke Jackson fight wrong, but in fairness to Luke, I, I, I think he is in, his, in the September of his career, and, and he, after the fight, he did say, look, he, he felt a bit tired from the ring walk, which is really unusual for him. I thought Tyson fought well. Um, the main event with, with Costa Zou, I mean, wow. I mean, what a way to end a fight with a, with a one-punch knockdown. You know, it was, it was spectacular. And, and the Gallon Hunt fight, I really – I think Mark Hunt had his chance. Mark could have won that fight. He sort of gave him a little bit of a breather. Had Gallon rocked a little bit, gave him a breather. And that, that cost him the fight because he was going to pay for that in the later rounds as Gal came on. And, and sure enough, Gal did enough to get the decision. And, um, and uh, But look, I think both the boys will be happy because I, I, I heard that um, – Mark Hart walked away with 700,000 for that fight. So Get you a long way on a ferry, 700,000, wouldn't it? You mentioned Kostya Zua, and, and Tim Zhu did send a message to his dad straight after that win. It only lasted a few seconds. I tell you what, he didn't have a chance to or need a nice water afterwards, but he said, are oh, you happy, Papa? It sort of gives you the impression that he's trying to sort of move away from the shadow, but also a son that's still searching for his father's, you know, green light, thumbs up, well done. Well, I think he's got to embrace it, Tim. You know, um, his father set such a high benchmark in not only the, the sport of boxing in, in Australia, but uh, around the world. And and I think there's nothing wrong to be a chip off the old block. I definitely think Tim is he's paving his own way. But um, and, and his style is very different to Kostya. Kostya really had that really good one-punch one knockout power, he, even though he did knock the guy one punch on the weekend. But uh, let's face it, Bowen was, was a guy that does get hit quite a bit. And, and, he, and Tim's a very slick boxer and he, and he was there to be hit. And, um, and, and Tim didn't waste any time in the later rounds to, to find that out. He got, he got straight on top. I did say Tim would knock him out in the eighth, but uh, yeah, he, Tim, Tim went to work straight away round one and uh, that was all she wrote. John, did you see the guy running off the footy field the other day? I think he needed to go to the bathroom quite quick. They said it was a, a Taco Bell cramp. <laughs> I'll tell you guys, this is a quick story. And I don't know why I'm revealing this. I one, one day raced at, um, in, in uh, Sydney Olympic Park. And uh, God bless my grandma. She made this traditional South African dish out of cow, like cow's knuckles. And it's so rich, like your nutrients. And, um, and I had it the night before my race. And I was running a 400 and yeah, uh, I remember my coach said, I'm going to wait at the 200. I'm going to scream at you to, to kick at the curve so you can make your move. Anyway, he screamed at me, but not only did I kick with my, my running action, but something kicked in the old back door. And I ended up doing a little bit of a doozy in my, in my pants. And, um, and the last, the last 150 wasn't comfortable. Let me tell you that. And I ran straight up the track. I was so embarrassed, man. But, but yeah, look, that's, that's, a, I mean, look, 
And when nature calls, you got to go, surely, right? John, there's nothing worse than giving birth to a cow's knuckle on, on, the, on the turn for the last hundred, mate. <laughs> but- Thank God you wore those tight pants. <laughs> but the worst thing, I was wearing split shorts. That was the worst thing about it. Oh, they my. were sure split that day. <laughs> anyway, well, it is what, look, end of the day, I didn't run a PB, but uh, but yeah, I had a new experience in my track career. But yeah. now that's, look, that these things happen, man. Poor bloke. But anyway, I'm sure this is going to, hopefully he can create some good try winning moments that can take uh, take away from this from him, poor bloke. That, that, that takes going for a run or getting the runs to all new levels. Mate, uh, look, just on the subject of cow knuckles, I don't know if they're legal or illegal, but the Russians, their drug um, policy, what about that? It's been halved now, or the drug sort of punishment has been halved from four years to two years. It's got a lot of people upset. Yeah, this one uh, is a tough one, Tim. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard when you put a blanket over everybody when you're saying there is a an, an offence or an issue or, or things that are going on um, within a particular sport. Um, but they did it. You know, World Athletics was, was big on banning um, Russia from competing in athletics, and so, so was the IOC, and which, which then saw us individual athletes competing under an Olympic banner um, when the Games came. So some of it really didn't make sense because these individual athletes were obviously getting exemptions and they were competing for themselves which they would have been competing for Russia anyway. I think the point has been made. I think people understand around the world, and I think Russia understands that people are not going to participate in a sport where it's not a level playing field. I, I, I think two years, four years, the point has been made. I think it's, it's, it'll be great to see Russia back in the big games, and it'll be great to see all the countries competing fairly and cleanly um, come Japan. Yeah, I can't wait for Japan. Shane, just just on the subjects of King Henry's and sport, did you did you ever have a moment, whether it be at Mount Warragul Oak Flats or playing for Australia, where because uh, uh, look, you've been to India a lot as well, because those issues can rise there or run. Mate, mate, very much so. I was uh, I remember bowling um, in a game in India, and uh, I think Gilly was keeping then. And I got to my delivery stride, and I just kept running. I went straight past Gilly, straight to the toilet. So. Um, <laughs> When you gotta go, you gotta go. Lisa, I had black split shorts, so you guys were in cricket whites. That's no good, Jack. Oh, I, I had the bright yellows on, and it was not a great look, mate. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a few moments myself, but none of them were ever an elite sport. But we'll leave it there before we start getting taken off the air. Johnny, yep. Steph, have a good weekend. Ah, uh, thank you, boys. It was a good chat. Have a great weekend, fellas. Johnny. Johnny, just quickly before you go, next time your mum says to knuckle down, mate, don't uh, don't take a say literally. <laughs> Coming up, all the tennis news with Jaslyn Hewitt. Afternoon sport, it's always a treat to have our tennis expert, of course, former player, Jaslyn Hewitt joins us now. How are you, Jaslyn? Good, Tim. How are you going? Yeah, really well. We've finally got a date for the Australian Open. We now know, we thought it was, but we now know it will be February 8th. Uh, lead-up matches played in Qatar. There'll also be some stuff in Melbourne going on in late January. Yeah, so it's exciting time now. Everything has has been confirmed and locked in. So uh, the ATP have come out with their schedule yesterday, um, starting in the States with a few uh, 250 uh, events for the ATP players. Um, the interesting thing for the Australian players now is going overseas to play the qualifying of the Australian Open. So we thought that was going to happen. Um, the men's going to be playing over in Doha and the female on WTA qualifying for the Australian Open is going to be in Dubai. So a lot different summer for our Australian athletes. 
Jazz, uh, my birthday is the 8th of August. Also on the 8th of August is Roger Federer's birthday. I shared that with him. Um, there's a bit of speculation around this could be one of his last uh, tournaments. Yeah, I mean, he has a great relationship and loves coming to play the uh, Australian Open. I think it, it is quite... Uh, Nostalgic for him, given that his former coach was an Aussie as well, Peter Carter, who unfortunately passed away um, a, a few years ago now. But um, Australia and um, has always had a soft spot for him. I mean, it really depends how his knee pulls up. Having 12 months off with uh, his couple of sets of twins probably has changed his perspective <laughs> in life. Um, and Merck has probably got him doing a hell of a lot more uh, family and fatherly duties than what he usually does. So, um, yeah, I mean, he is 40 uh, next year. So it, it's any athlete to last that long uh, at at the top of the game is, is amazing. Yeah. It is extraordinary, but he may have played his last competitive game. There's every chance that that could be the case. Yeah, and I think a fair few players will be in the same boat with that, just given COVID and, and the financials for a lot of the uh, upcoming players as well. I think uh, it's put a lot of realisations for the players in where they want to head in their life, where they're currently at. And it would definitely be sad, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did come to Australia um, and and compete for the last time here. Um, Ash Barty, she's at the top of her game. She finished, I think, top prized earner uh, last year. How's she faring? She hasn't played for a while, has she really? No. So we've got uh, a uh, Sydney tournament, the Sydney Open coming up. So that will be her, hopefully her first tournament back that Tennis Australia are putting on for the Australian players, just given that uh, our players won't need to quarantine and they can get some uh, good competitive matches against each other. So that's coming up in the end of December, straight after Christmas. Um, she was lucky to hold the number one spot again without re- uh, playing a match this year. But uh, I think also the year off has probably uh, refreshed her just like it has done Nick Kyrgios. Um, it's always hard being Aussie and travelling, as you know, um, going overseas for maybe three to six months of the year, uh, playing your sport and competing and having that uh, 12 months off, I think for them have, has refreshed them. So I would be keen to see how she goes um hopefully in this uh, Sydney Open coming up and then moving forward into the Aussie Open. Tennis has been absolutely smashed by COVID-19, hasn't it? There's been some sports that have got away a little unscathed, uh, many that have been ripped apart, and tennis is one of them. Yeah, uh, with our players, which for the Aussie Open, you've got 1,200 players, individuals coming from different uh, countries. So it's not like a team that can train together um, and be locked down together and then compete against another team. It's not an individual sport. Uh, when I was uh, lucky enough to go to the boxing the other night, and I was just thinking quarantine for a boxing athlete, you'd be able to put in a... Uh, a sparring ring in a, in a hotel room if you need be, um, and then a couple of your boxing equipment and treadmills and, and gym equipment. So for two weeks in a training lockdown, you could make a, a purpose-built gym in a hotel, which which would get them by. But a tennis court, um, it's a little bit difficult to have uh, – 32 players on the men's side plus qualifying plus uh, this is just for a normal tournament and then your doubles players there's just so many people involved with each event and that's just the hard thing with the sport and why we've been uh, hurt so bad. Hey Jazz early predictions what are your tips for both the men and the women's uh, Australian Open you have to pick had to pick two winners right now. 
I'd love to see what Curious is playing like yeah. and uh, Ash Barty is playing like in the upcoming rounds and lead-in events because you can't really, uh, yeah, after Christmas and especially after COVID, it is definitely tough. Uh, given recent form and those players who have been playing, I'd like to see, uh, I'd probably guess that uh, Novak Djokovic would be up there as well as Dominic Team. Either one of those two would probably be a safe bet right now. But then you've, on the women's side, I mean, Simona Halep, she'll probably come down here and train with uh, Darren Cale for a fair bit. So it'll be, it'll be interesting with how it'll all plays out with the lead up events though. Uh, what what about what about Bernard Tomic? Where is he at? It's been an ongoing car crash for a long time. Yes. Uh, well, he's back playing uh, some matches, the UTR Pro Series that's being held up in uh, Brisbane at the uh, Pat Rafter Arena there. He's he's uh, slowly but steady winning a few matches there against some of our better juniors or lower ranked male players. So he's He's going through the motions, I think, a bit there with with getting some matches in. Um, interesting new girlfriend and coming out with her, but uh, yeah, you probably you probably know more about that than me, Timmy. No, I don't. I don't. I try. I, I try to. You know what I mean. I, I see his name, to be honest with you. And look, nothing against him, but I just glaze over because you know it's just been story after story with Bernard, and you you just know how talented he is uh, and continues to be. But he just, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's a sorry tale sometimes when you read it. Hey, Timmy, is he still driving? Is he still driving that hotted up Cortina? Yeah, he drives that bright yellow Cortina around the Gold Coast. Is he still oh, doing God, that? No, idea. <laughs> no, but on a positive note, at least we, we did have two of them, and now Nick Kyrgios has come through the other side and and uh, being a great role model in Australian Australian tennis now. So his work with the NK Foundation and, and the charities that he he does. Um, at least uh, one of them has grown up now. Yeah, and, and look, <laughs> well he's said. at that age. Yeah, exactly. And he's at that age where he can still win many, many majors. He's such a talented player. Jaslyn, always great to catch up. Uh, and uh, it's good to know we've got some firm dates in the calendar. Yes, looking forward to the uh, Aussie tennis summer again. Well done, Jazz. That is it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to our field reporters today, John Stephenson and Jaslyn Hewitt. Thank you to our sponsors, O'Brien Beer and, of course, Spartan. And the man, well, he is like what Russell Crowe is to act, and his name is Dan McEwen. <laughs> He's a superstar when it comes to podcasts, an absolute superstar. And if he had a microphone, he'd say something right now. We'll be back Monday afternoon. Shano, can't wait for it. We'll see you then.